Hi guys, today we are having the discussion on politics, bad leadership and development in Africa. And this is Christine Chido and friends. And we will be going through a number of things. And basically the whole uh, point is in the podcast, uh, The Africa We Want, is to discuss on a few things that affect Africa in different ways. And politics, leadership tends to be one of those things that would affect um, Africa. So to quote someone who said that African countries go through a ritual every four or five years called elections that produce no better leadership or any change. So we have a situation where we have leaders uh, within Africa who should be providing some sort of guidance or to be helping the development, but doesn't seem to be happening. So today we're having that discussion, like what are the thoughts on that? And so the first thing that is a good starting point is what's the culture of leadership in Africa? What and what attitudes do people have towards who should be a leader, the qualities of a leader? And this is good, especially considering that we are from different African countries. And so there are different perspectives on this. What's the culture of leadership in Africa? Chido, what do you think? Hi, uh, good people. How are you doing? It's really good to be back. And I would also extend my greetings to our constant uh, listeners or our audience. So this is a very important issue. I need to highlight that because we can come here and propose policies and talk about the economics and how we can achieve the Africa we want, particularly with respect to economic development. But I feel like it all boils to one issue, the issue of governance, right? So without people in power who actually spearhead uh, policy formulation, who, are, who make deliberate choices to come up with policies that sort of favor what we're talking about just becomes talk with no implementation so i will speak from my personal experience not personal experience (laughs) i've never been in politics but from what i've observed in most countries right uh when we look at the people that end up assuming this political post it always has to do with the historical background of a a particular country right so Mm -hmm. for most countries that were colonized by either you know the the uk or by France, they always have got that liberation, the liberation struggle background when they are choosing people into power. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you realize that we end up having leaders that are probably in their 80s because those people are presumed to have played a significant role during the liberation war struggle. So in some in some countries, I, I don't think it would be very nice to, to single out specific countries right now. But in some countries, you realize that people are given political offices as a way of probably as a token for whatever role it's presumed they played during the liberation war struggle. That's why you realize that in most African countries, the main political party that is so difficult to talk for is usually that party that is sort of aligned to the liberation war struggle. So I think because of that, we end up having what I would call less competent leaders because it, it, it then ceases to be about competence, but it's about patriotism, nepotism, and your loyalty to the struggle. Mm. Okay, that's quite interesting. Uh, Kokelo, what do you think about that? Like the culture, like what Chido is saying, that it seems like the attitudes from post-colonial 
periods have carried us forward, especially on treating this issue of leadership as if it's a liberation struggle that we're still continuing with. What are your thoughts on that? Or the culture of leadership? Maybe I will ask a question, right? Mm -hmm. That question has been uh, in my mind and I've been asking my friends for several years now mm -hmm. is this liberation struggle to gain independence from colonizers is not unique to Africa. Mm -hmm. We have had colonialism in other places in the world, mm -hmm. in, South, in, in Asia, in Latin America. And why is it that we are the only ones suffering from this legacy of colonialism? Why is Africa the only one blaming whatever happened during colonialism and everything that came after that as, as the reason why we are not moving forward? And the other question I have is, if, as they say, the leaders are the problem, right? Mm -hmm. Where do these leaders come from? Because most of the African countries are democratic. Mm -hmm. We sit, we, we, after five years or whatever, four years, we come around together and elect leaders, actually electing. So if, if the people we are electing are coming from amongst us, and every five years, we get the same crop of leaders, then doesn't that say so much about who we are as a people? Is it something we have internally in the continent, or is it the same thing we are saying that it's external factors that are affecting us and our leadership and our governance? I think if we are able to determine where the problem is, then we are able to start solving the problem. Hmm. Quite interesting especially on the fact that other countries have been colonized and, well, other countries in other continents. But, and the second thing about, like, the leaders we elect, of course, as the people, we are the ones who go and elect these people year after year. In fact, it's not even, it's someone we know is corrupt. We have evidence. We have seen it. We know it. We understand it. They are corrupt. We elect them again. So, um and then about the colonial part, I have uh, comments on that. But um, Becky, do you have any thoughts on any of the things that Kokela said? Actually, I do. And my question is, definitely agree with, with what Kokelo has said on why are we the only ones 50 years later who are still hanging on on what was done to us and what have we done within the course of those 50 years to reverse that? The only interesting uh, question I have is along the lines of at the point of handing over power to Africans, I think there was there was some intentional sabotage in terms of the kind of um, leaders that took charge of, uh, you know, many African countries. I think there are compromises that they needed to make for that transition to happen. So in my imagination and from reading history, some of the people that took over power were a bit compromised, if you would say, in terms of how how their interests and, and allegiances at that point were aligned. So most of them seem to have, you know, signed certain agreements that favored them personally from, from that point onwards. So it, it's that compromise, because if you look at some of them, some of the leaders have been very good and done good things for their countries, but we also know that there are quite some that once they got there, their biggest accomplishment is holding on to power, even though they were liberationists at the beginning. But then after that, they just stick there and protect their 
you know, their kingdom because they treat the country as such. And that mm. I think that's the reason why we haven't been able to move past that. Because if you still have, you know, leaders who are there at the point at the time or near the time of fighting for independence, how do you even move forward? Because you need new people for new seasons. So I think the compromise, the intention of sabotage that was done by the colonialists as they were leaving, because I think it's it's common knowledge that there's still a lot of exploitation that is going on post-colonialism. I think it worked in terms of making sure that they, they didn't hand over power to people who were loyal and to their countries to the point of you know defending it with everything they've got. As long as their personal interests were met, here we are. Mm, that's quite interesting. But to add to what you're saying actually is that, you see, in the same way that different uh, countries like the U.S., People are still trying to look at slavery as the reason why there are different things that have gone wrong. I think Africa, we also look at colonialism and blame it for things that are wrong. And I think that's very true. I, and I think that's that's possibly a wrong perspective to have. It might be that we were colonized the same way that slaves were taken to the US, but but now we are here and what you're saying, Becky, is quite interesting. It seems like the leaders who have taken over are the ones who are carrying on this legacy that seems to be problematic. And it could be changed if, especially we took that into account, that we've fought different countries to have democracy. It's now entrenched in our constitutions that uh, the power belongs to the people. They give it to democratically elected people. And yet here we are, year after year, Marco, what what are your thoughts on this whole leadership culture and what needs to change? And especially maybe tying it into what Becky is saying, that there seems to have been sabotage that has worked for these many years. Uh, doesn't seem that he can hear us. Can I quickly um, chime in on Becky's comments before, before Marco can say something, please? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what Becky is saying is there was sabotage from the colonial masters from mm-hmm. the beginning, from the beginning. I don't deny that, right? Mm-hmm. But my response to her comments would be, if there was sabotage, and indeed there were some countries which we see that kind of um, situation, but we still have other countries, as you mentioned, uh, Christine, where uh, the colonialists handed power to some, someone who was their favorite. Then someone else came in, removed that person from power and fought and fought. So an, an example would be like Uganda. The person who is in power currently is a fighter who came and later on after several leaders had, had been in power and he was probably not the person the colonialists handed power to. And in other instances like Zimbabwe, where um, the colonialists probably didn't want Mugabe, he fought for the country's independence something like that. How Mm -hmm. is it that in those instances, we are not seeing them being exceptional? You know, being, oh, you guys are not sabotaged, therefore you're excelling, you're exemplary. We don't have exception. If we had in Africa countries that are very exceptional and they are like, oh, we were colonized, yes, but, you know, we are doing this, we are doing that, then we will say, okay, but I don't seem to see any unless I'm too pessimistic. Hmm. Quite interesting. And to add in there, I'll mention that Ethiopia was not colonized. 
Liberia was not. And see where Ethiopia and Liberia are. They are not the giants in the Africa, in the economies of Africa. In fact, Egypt, South Africa, Nigeria are way ahead of Ethiopia and exactly. Liberia. So, yeah. Marco. This is a very interesting discussion. And one of the things I think we need to have in mind when most of these African countries were gaining independence in 63, 64, 65, the world was right in the middle of the Cold War. You were either a capitalist or a socialist, then you were aligned between those two. And if you take the case for Kenya, for instance, we had uh, the capitalist thinking leadership of Kenyatta and Mboya, and then we had Odinga and his socialism. And that is where our politics as a country started messing us at that point in time. And that is where the root of our problems is, because even as we speak today, you are either on this side, that is where our tribal line was drawn. You are either with the Kikuyus and the Kenyatas as capitalists and you believe in maybe on the other side, that kind of particular leadership. And when you also draw it back down, taking the Kenyan case, for instance, you look at the East African community, what happened in 1977? What led to its collapse in that instance? Mm. When we talk about leadership, the leaders that we elect are supposed to have the aspirations of the electorate. And if the leaders not have, if, if, if uh, the people we have elected do not have those particular aspirations, we will start wondering, maybe they have their own selfish gains. But I believe what we have in Africa is everyone wants to get into power, loot and steal. Mm. Because the guys who are before them, they did the same thing. Mm. Okay, that's quite interesting, and especially on the two perspectives of socialism and capitalism. That's that's quite a big, I think, a big discussion right there. Like, and we have the case of Tanzania, which which went through socialism apart from these other countries. I think yes, Kokelo. So again, on socialism and capitalism, we were not the only one that were getting independence at a time when you had to align either to Russia, China, and the U.S. and the rest. Singapore was also getting independence at that time, and they, they were struggling with the same politics of Cold War. Korea and every other country that was a former British colony, they had to, you know, be seen to play a certain way for them to be, to, to be favorable to the powers that be at that point in time. So even in that regard, we are not exceptional. We, we, we were not alone in this uh, Cold War issue. Hmm. I just wanted to throw in last part in the works, eh? or, or that word, whatever Isata said. Eh? I, I'm just thinking, we also need to come back and look at where did the colonialists come to Africa? And when they left, they also wanted their interests to be protected, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And when you look at, let's think about, look at DRC, the Democratic Republic of Congo. Mm-hmm. Why have they never had a stable government since independence in 1961 or 62? Most of these African nations, when they gained independence, they have had coups happening. What has been the precipitating factor for that? But I, I believe the only country that has never had a bloody coup, or maybe we can look at maybe Tanzania has had some stable democracy. We, in Kenya, we have fought a bit, 2008. Uh, Uganda is, uh, you know the story. 
maybe the external forces in this um, country. Okay. Ma- Marco, yeah. external forces. Look at Vietnam. <laughs> Vietnam has been interfered with by the French, by the Americans. They had a bitter war, a very long term uh, running war with the. Uh, you know, you know, everyone knows about what was happening in Vietnam. All that was external interference from former colonial masters and the new imperial imperialists in, in the name of the Americans at the, at the time. But what is going on in Vietnam right now? It's a rising industrial power. The economy is growing. I don't know, 8%, 10% a year. They are doing very well, manufacturing. You know, anything you say that we have been interfered with, we have been colonized, someone else has gone through that and risen from the ashes. Why is it that we are exceptionally the only ones that never recover from this factor? Colonialism, Cold War, you know, all, all, all those things, you name them. Why? That's my question. So I think, thank you. I think, uh, Isanda, you're bringing in a very interesting point. And I, before I kind of um, share my thoughts as well, Marco, I think where you are coming from is quite typical of where we are as a continent. I think we are a continent that is full of excuses to an extent that we refuse to look deeper within ourselves. We are always blaming, I don't know, the West. But my question to you, I don't expect an answer right now, and probably it's a question to the whole group. Who actually necessitated slave trade? If you come back home into Kenya, 2007, 2008, who actually was fighting during the elections? I can bet you it was not the West. Anyway, just a, a point to note. Now, this is my thinking, right? And I am aligned with what Isanda is saying, right? I think Isanda and I will have been working on this, doing all this over the last 10 years. And I think there is something inherent that we are yet to find out, right? But my two cents are this. The nature of politics in Africa is one that is full of pity in the sense that I don't think people really know what leadership is, right? Mm-hmm. When Uganda right now is approaching their elections, mm-hmm. if I were to pick a Uganda citizen right now and ask them, who exactly do you expect and what do you expect out of leadership? I would not expect anything more than an answer where someone is expecting a politician to probably come and sort their very muddy road in their village, maybe, maybe give them some water. Some things that we are supposed to be talking about in the 1950s, right? But anyway, we are still here today. So we, we've built up a political system. Let me use it as a leadership system in quotes, which is full of lack of accountability, full of lack of responsibility, and full of self-centered individuals. Mm-hmm. And I like the, what Marco was saying, that most of the politicians actually look to power as a way of looting And once you've looted, you don't want to cede power because you are looking at a platform to protect your loot, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. So that is the nature of leadership in Africa that we have. But my question is, and the only thing that I'm still struggling with is, if you look across, colonialism is not to blame. Why? Mm. Because we've been here 50 years, almost 60 years here in Kenya since the British left, right? Mm -hmm. So if they left us in here, how comes over those six decades we could not solve our own issues? If we talk about tribalism, every continent, every country, except a few countries in Europe, are multilingual, but they are much better than us. So that could not be an excuse either. If you talk about boundaries all over the place, again, 
we have boundaries all over the world. I think we need to ask ourselves one question. Why is it so difficult that in Africa, our leaders, I usually prefer to use that in quotes, cannot implement basic stuff? We know exactly what we need to do to fix our water shortage. We know exactly what we need to do to fix the societal differences that are existing in South Africa. We know exactly why people are fighting in DRC Congo, because actually it's the Congolese who are selling the minerals in as much as we are blaming the West. How come we have 17 African countries still paying some tax to the French central government, yet they know for sure that it is detrimental to their country. So I do believe that even before we look at the solutions to Africa, can we dig in further to understand why somehow we cannot do the basic stuff that we should be able to do? Excellent point, Gideon. Um, I have a point there. I would like to chime in. Uh, yes, Becky. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gideon has touched on uh, two people. Marco talked about resources and, and, and now Gideon about why can't we implement basic stuff. And going back to my point, I may have sounded as though I was in defense of African countries and bad leadership. But what I meant is that we didn't have a good... Uh, like the most countries didn't have the best starting point in terms of leadership in that is in good faith, that is all for the people. They were a bit compromised, but that that is not an excuse at all. My mm-hmm. other point is that in I think that the leaders of of that time they picked the wrong lessons from how colonialists were leading mm-hmm. or governing African countries. And what I mean by that was that the example was if you're in power you have an opportunity to amass power and wealth rather than empowering the people because the what was going on was the colonialists were only interested in you know the natural resources if it's an uh, agricultural country they want the best of um, uh, the best of everything so the lesson was that if you are in power this is what you do so it seems like they picked that and ran with it even you know subsequent leaderships because the example is of very highly politically empowered dynasties and they keep they want that to run for several generations and among like there's chronism a lot of chronism that you don't find you know leaders who are very interested in empowering the people so they just get there and decide okay this is this is our time and and we own this country so it's more of power to exploit and they sort of choose a populist ideology in terms of appealing to the masses to guarantee that they are going to stay in power and these same people despite not doing anything for them you know two ways either populism or ruling by fear like you know being a Machiavellian you're like I you you really don't care what the people think Mm -hmm. but you have them in your grip so I think that the leaders may have learned the wrong things again going back to Sanders point is that why are we the only ones because there are other countries that the same thing happened to them but how come it's african leaders nearly unanimously picked the wrong lessons but i do think that that played a role in terms of what do you do when you have power this is the kind of thing you do you amass wealth and then you protect it for the rest of your life so becky a question on what you've said about african leaders picking the wrong lessons from the colonialists I think they not only picked the wrong lessons, they picked the wrong lessons and downgraded a little bit. So for instance, colonialists 
hard disk extractive uh, nature of of quality. By that I mean they came to you know take whatever was there and go with it. But if you look at what the colonialists did, they sort of also built some structures to enable that extraction to happen. For instance, they built railways. Um, they they came up with some structures and institutions that would support that extraction. But when the Africans took over, the leaders, our leaders, when they took over, they never continued building institutions or or even continued the, you know, even the railway lines that were left behind by the colonialists. It's only recently that uh, we've started seeing uh, that kind of infrastructure development going on. But for several years, 50 years or so, we just had whatever colonialists left was practically nothing happened. So like in the DRC, there are no roads. I mean, in a whole country traveling from Lubumbashi to Kinshasa, it's practically impossible because there is no road that will take you there that is passable. You have to use the river and the river is not navigable at some point. People lose their lives every year trying to, you know, use those the rivers and stuff. And in a country that is as rich as that, our railway lines would do a wonderful job or airlines, you know, one country you can do so much with if you just build the basic infrastructure. So yeah. I don't know whether we even picked any lessons from the colonialists on how to even run and govern our own country. I totally agree that if, if they learned any, they, they picked the wrong ones and then they were not even good students at all. Because if they were, they would realize that development, and even today, like development is a win-win. If you want to steal, you have more to steal if the country is developed and, and less stress to deal with. So it's like there are some, some things I look at and think, even if you're interested in being a corrupt person and amassing wealth, there is a way that the country being, you know, you know, higher ranking and things being, you know, just in a better place, you can still with less stress. So it would be yeah. better for you to build the roads, empower people, and you'd, you'd be a smarter thief. And anyway, but yeah. it's... The ease of stealing, stealing in Africa would have been easier. Perspective from Zim. I'm not going to give you the Zim perspective. Yeah. I think I need to put it out there that the first time when I spoke and I talked about colonialism and it being probably the background upon which most countries sort of deal with their politics, it was not, I was not justifying bad leadership, but I was maybe giving you a perspective that we normally see in most of the Southern African countries, because I come from Southern Africa, whereby people get to, they end up having political posts simply because they are presumed to have played a part in the struggle, right? Which is something that is fundamentally wrong if we, if we look at it. But uh, maybe to just comment overly on what everybody was saying, I would want to put out this, quotation, I think it was Napoleon Bonaparte who said that. He said, I made power my mistress. I worked so hard for her to give it up. I think it's something like that. Basically, he was saying because he worked so hard to be in power, if we, I mean, from all history, we know what Napoleon did to do and what every, everything about him being in power and everything. 
And when he says he worked so hard that he can't give her up, it then made me think about most African leaders, right? We have got people in Africa who are saving the longest terms in history. I have heard of countries whereby when a person's term is about to end, they try and amend the constitution so that they just stay in power, which basically says that once you test power, especially in Africa, you don't want to give it up. Why? The question becomes why. The answer becomes of the the benefits that accrue when you are within uh, a, a certain position, right? Mm-hmm. You are president, you are a minister, you are a member of parliament. There are certain benefits that accrue, right? The benefits can either be legitimate or illegitimate, and that's another discussion. And you would realize that it opens you up to be in a position where you can loot freely from the government, from the people that that would have elected you to be in power. I will say elected in courts because I'm going to say a little bit about that. I remember it must be Kokelo who asked uh, a question about if we know that these are bad leaders, why do we keep them in power? But if we are being frank with each other, I think we know the status of most electoral processes in Africa. Uh, we, We can't mince words. In some cases, you can actually see that there was there was rigging that happened, right? We have instances of certain countries where people would be beaten up, would be assaulted before elections. A lot of things would happen, right? We can't really pinpoint uh, countries, but these things do happen. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, the question becomes, who elected the people in power, right? Mm -hmm. Were they really elected by the masses or they self-elected themselves? Mm -hmm. So that they could be in a position where they can amass wealth for themselves, right? I'll give you an example of a certain African country, right, where they had an election and the opposition party contested the outcome on the premise that it had been rigged. And guess what happened? The high court said, you know what, it's fine. Clearly there was rigging and the opposition party is supposed to be in power. Exactly a few days after that president, who is supposed to be the opposition, who, pre- who was probably campaigning, saying they want to change the dynamics of, the, uh, of politics in that particular country. When they were elected to power, there were three quarters of the cabinet, his, his cronies, his cousins, his whoever, and you say now. So it becomes <laughs> a, a, an issue where I want to be in power, not that I work for the people, but for my own benefit and also the benefit of my family and extended members and everything. So I think we really need African politics. We can't blame the West, like everybody is saying. We can't blame colonialism. We can't blame even COVID-19. We can't blame anything. The point I'm making is we can't blame anything. We now need to look within and actually agree that we have got a problem and see how we can solve the problem. Thank you. Thank you, Chido, for mentioning that. I mean, we have to look internally and accept the responsibility. Because the more we keep saying it's the West, it's slavery, it's, it's lopsided trade agreement, it's the World Trade Organization, it's the UN, it's the US, we will never solve our problems. And then again, on, on the elections, you've said something very, very important, that as much as we can claim that elections in most countries are rigged or in some countries are rigged and therefore are not representative of the people's will. We have instances where they are actually a representative of the people's will, but the people who come in promising change end up being even worse than their predecessor. So you wonder, okay, so when will we ever get the right people? You you have said it right, 
that some of this, especially, you know, you know I, I've gotten to a point where I've started questioning not only most ruling parties in certain African countries, but even the opposition parties. The question becomes, what is really the motive behind assuming a certain political office? Because like you have rightfully said, you've got people who come in when they are campaigning, they promise you change. And when they are still the opposition, they try to, to drag the ruling party to court and try to act as if they are the, the chiefs and, 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 and you know, the, the champions of um, accountability. But the moment you actually cast your vote in their favor and they assume office, it then just becomes the same problem. It's just a vicious cycle. So I, I, I think we just need to look at African politics, opposition, ruling parties, and have an overall of the whole system, try to deal with the root cause and, and see how we can progress as countries. Because honestly, we can't keep blaming anyone about this. Yeah. I have a question. Oh, okay, go for it. Um, this is going. This is quite okay. This is quite a political statement, right? So that's why I'm kind of hesitating. But I just the discussion that's going on. Um, Isanda, you're talking about the inherent issues that we have. Um, Chido, you're talking about what's going on with people who are coming into preach and then they become just like their other birds in the in the parliament. Is religion a problem in Africa? Because and why am I asking that question? I'm asking the question because. I think this platform is a, a very, very important one. And maybe we need to start assessing exactly that inherent problem. Now, you talked about the fact that we are electing people, but then when they get there, they are just, they will turn crooks and they don't care because they are the incumbent and they will do whatever they want and there is nothing you can do. They can steal elections if they want, right? They can change the constitution if they want. But is it the fact that we are too religious to an extent that we, we we are just willing to forgive and forget that people are messing around. Mm-hmm. I, I actually think we lack religion. It's it's not for the for the greatness of the religion, but it's for the lack of it. Especially when you think about it, because what we lack ethics, we lack morality, uh, as you're saying on looting, greed rules, tyranny rules. It's something where I don't. I think we lack basic ethics. We don't forgive and forget. We are just not uh, observing or taking any action. We don't have any uh, any extent of ethics to hold up leaders with because we personally don't have any ethics to be able to tell a leader that there's something going on wrong with you. I don't think it's for the extent of religion. I think it's for the lack of it. If I, can, if I can say anything. <laughs> Everyone raised their hand. What's happened? <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, because this was... Okay, so I'm going to differ with you a little bit Mm -hmm. and say religion is the opium of the masses, Mm -hmm. right? Most of uh, the African countries where I would say there is bad leadership, people are very religious. Mm -hmm. So many churches, so many prophets, so many preachers, right? And I feel like we have gotten to a point where we have accepted that. I'm going to say, this is a very controversial thing, but I'm sorry, I'm going to say it. We have gotten to a point where prosperity has been preached to us in a way that you just have to pray and give and ask God for blessings, that we have actually failed to hold people in power accountable for things Mm. that are so basic like roads, you understand? Mm -hmm. So we think at some point, I would say maybe we are two extreme ends in every country. You have got people that are so, so, so much into religion that they would, they are so focused on the on the on the world to come, which is heaven, that they actually forget that they also are entitled to certain basic human rights here that are supposed to be protected, preserved, and promoted by the people in power. 
right? Mm-hmm. So people can, re- elections can be rigged and people can see that elections were rigged, but nobody wants to talk about it because they've got a certain perspective of themselves that people have to maintain because they are religious, right? There's, there are certain things that are probably contrary to what the word of God says that they can't do or, the, or whatever. It depends. Religions are different. So I think we, we need to, to, yes, have religion, but at the same time, also understand that religion itself does not really change bad politics. Yeah, we can pray okay. for our leaders, but it doesn't change that they're bad. Okay, but let me just to mention Egypt. Egypt is an Islamic state. Egypt had a coup uh, from the year 20, I think 2012, uh, with the Brotherhood. If it's religion, religion is in Egypt, yeah? And and people have been... But w- what I'm saying is that I don't think it's for the excess of religion or I actually think it's the lack of it. You see, the problem is religion. There are different religions, right? Mm-hmm. And different religions have got different focuses. Uh, in, in some religions, they are told that it's, to fight for your rights, uh, it's probably holy war, right? And then you have got other religions where they probably preach what is contrary to that. So it then becomes, you know, it's difficult because we've got different religions with different um, principles and, and, and rules or set, or set of rules, to, so to say. Kokelago. On, on your point of, on the religion and how it affects us, right? Mm-hmm. You still find the same same religion that is making other people fight in other countries, right, for their rights and whatever, in the same same context, in the same same religion, in a, a, an African country, you'll find very passive people who do not want to fight, who do not want to do, who, who will be like, God will sort out this issue, you know? So the same religion, we will be practicing the same religion with another country in another continent. But how we use religion is where the difference is. Mm. So in Africa, we use religion to avoid responsibility. So if something Thank happens, you. we say, mm-hmm. oh, the Lord will sort this out, or God will provide a way in the future. Don't worry. You know, we use religion as an escape for not to, to not sort out our problem and to put it out there for the powerful deity to solve those problems. Oh. So in fact, we... Mm-hmm. If a leader is bad, we go to the verses in the Bible and say leaders are chosen by God. They're supposed to respect. Yes. So yes. We, we use religion in all possible ways we can to avoid responsibility for making anything that is wrong right. That is the difference yes. between how we think and how the rest of the world is uh, conducting but, their affairs. But for the rest of the world, look at Trump. He has a spiritual advisor. And the Christians in the U.S. are still the same, for instance. Like, they will be like, we, we need to pray for the state. I, I don't think religion is anywhere ever separated from people who want to practice it the wrong way. A world over, people who practice religion the wrong way, practice it the wrong way. And politics and development are, is not affected either way, you know? Like, people practicing bad religion are doing it world over. It's not just in Africa. You see, the, the, the problem with religion, and uh, I'm sorry, for, I'm, a very, I'm a, a Christian by the way and a believer, but the only yes. problem with religion is the fact that we have this delayed punishment, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in the sense that if, you, if I take Catholic, for example, I'm not a Catholic, but I have Catholic friends. Catholic allows you to sin today and then you come back to the Father tomorrow and repent, <laughs> right? It, it doesn't say you should not do that again. 
you can do it that you can do that over and over and over again now i'm not saying that religion is bad and we are not in this podcast i'm very sure we are not telling people not to to believe in god but we are yes. just challenging the way we are treating religion chido you you raised an issue around uh prosperity gospel isanda you talked about people following the rule that all leaders are from god and we always ask whether mm-hmm. the, the ones we have in africa actually are from god because if they are indeed from god <laughs> we need to have a conversation with god because the people we are getting, um yes are quite wanting but i think it is the way we use that religion religion should not be devoid of accountability right it, mm-hmm. i don't even when you go through the bible it doesn't say you should not be accountable for whatever is going on but as we continue in kenya here we in fact invite the politician to the to the podium we pray for them we bless them right we take the the offering that they are bringing and then they are okay please go ahead do your thing so mm. i don't know so mm. i'm still confused go marco i just want to add something on, on that religion thing eh mm-hmm. Because I believe, you know, the politicians that we are electing are people who are among us and they are very active in these churches, as Gideon has already said. Eh? We have politicians who are attending like five church services on a single Sunday, <laughs> just for political reasons. Mm. <laughs> yes. Different churches, five times, just in, out, in, out. So you, you wonder, <laughs> why are the pastors or the preachers or the priests in these particular churches, why are they allowing them in the first place? And the biggest problem we have with our politics is we as the citizens, as the electorate, have, uh, I'm talking about the Kenyan case, for instance, because eh? mm-hmm. this is something I've seen. We're in the politics of like tokenism. You see a politician is engaging you, you expect money. Oh, if, if I'm a businessman and I've already given you money, would you expect development from me if you have already voted for me? Mm-hmm. If you have elected me to stay to at the government and I've like spent like let's say in Kenya for instance if you want to be elected a president I think the campaign range the money that you're supposed to have is supposed to be around 10 billion shillings that's maybe around 10 million dollars between 10 and 50 million dollars that's the money that you need to have to pay people first so that they can support you so if you have already spent that kind of money to sway the electorate so once you get to the head to the office you'll just uh, start looting fast to recover mm. your money Mm. By the time you are recovering your money, five years are already over. Mm. You start the cycle yeah. again. Uh, what these church leaders ought to be doing is they need to be less apolitical. Mm. Mm-hmm. They have to they have to be the voice of reason in the context of the African election in the African uh, political landscape. But Marco, if I yeah. may ask, uh, especially yes. on the on the things on spiritual matters. Like have you heard yes. uh, people who have said who said when president Trump was elected that he was God's chosen uh, leader in the bible in fact he's yes. representing a yes. physical yes. character who has moved the yes. embassy of Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem and yes. a practice of religion and linking leaders to religion is not something that is happening in Africa alone and people who have who president Trump went to to the church to do not tell him you need to stop tweeting the way you tweet or anything so it's not it's not i don't think it's this is another escapist uh, okay. option from that we could have but i don't think that's the thing with development yeah one of the things you see believers and christians believe you know if you are a christian you believe in the bible right mm-hmm. if you are a muslim you believe in the quran you see the bible says leaders are chosen from where mm. chosen by god right mm. 
Mm-hmm. So what would you expect a Trump supporter who is a Christian to say? So, what would you expect? You know, uh-huh. What religion needs to do? Because in the African context, in the African traditional context, in uh, terms of leadership, so we had uh, prophets and we had chiefs, mm. depending mm-hmm. on where you come from. Or we had yeah. uh, someone like a king, a prime minister, and there was always a spiritual leader. What was the role of this spiritual leader? The spiritual leader was the voice of reason. Mm. And the moment now you corrupt the voice of reason, as we are seeing happening in the, in the case of Kenya here, see, we are all doomed. Mm. Okay. I think this discussion on religion and leadership, we should have it as a full blown discussion but she does say what you're about to say and Kokelo and then Becky Gideon if you have any last comments then we'll close this okay I wanted to say I think the idea around religion and politics and particularly in Africa I think I would say it in this way uh, it must be Kokelo who mentioned that you know what Africans are not the only people that have been colonized there are other countries in Asia and Europe that have also been colonized, but they are doing well because they are not holding so much to that. The problem with religion when it comes to the, to Africa now is I think there is a fixation that's just different. We, we, we tend to focus much more on religion that we can't hold people accountable. Forgetting the fact that if we go back, let's say with Christianity to the Bible, you have got uh, prophets who used to actually hold uh, kings accountable, right? Mm-hmm. We had a situation where the prophet Nathan went to David and said, you know what, this is what you did, it was wrong, and they had a conversation about it. But in Africa, the people, were, the religious leaders were supposed to be doing that. In some countries, they are not doing it. Rather, they are also sitting on the very same table with the corrupt, in court, corrupt leaders, eating from the same table, benefiting from the same uh, corrupt tendencies that they can't even say anything about it. So the only thing that they will do now is they go back to their congregations and preach this gospel, number one, that leaders are chosen by God, as it is rightfully stated in the Bible, and that we should pray for the leaders that are there because they are God's choice. The question becomes, is God trying to punish us by certain leaders in Africa because some of them are not doing anything, right? So when we pray for those leaders, to, to make sure that the masses, right, mm-hmm. their eyes are probably blindsided from the corruption and everything, we are then told that it is only God who blesses people. So if God does not bless you, you can't uh, move from a high-density suburb to a low-density suburb. You can't get proper housing up until God blesses you. But then we forget that even in the same constitution in every democratic country, there is the right to housing, right to shelter, right, which is supposed to be promoted by the same government that we choose to power. So I think, yes, re- religion is, is wonderful. Religion, a, a society without religion, like you said, we, we talk of moral decays and everything. I am religious, but I think we need to pray, we need to attend churches, but at the same time, open our eyes to what is actually happening around us. Mm. But what I would ask is, what, like the president of Kenya, I don't think the reason why he's not providing why his government is looting, I don't think it's because he believes that God needs to bless me so that I can have better health care. Because that, I, I don't think when these leaders are acting, they're not acting out of any religious motivation, like the president. I may, I may believe where I'm living that I need to pray God so that I get into a better suburb, but the president is definitely not thinking about that when he's providing better housing. Like, no, no. 
the problem, Christine, is not with the president or the political figures. No, because ultimately it's not the political figure who comes to preach to you the gospel. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. These political figures, right, they act out of their own will based on their selfish motives, I would say, right? But then the point I'm making is part of the reason why we are not saying entirely people are not holding politicians accountable because they are Christians or they are Muslims or they are Buddhists or what. No, we are saying it's also a, a factor, a contributing factor that we can't be blind towards. Okay, I, I actually agree uh, to the extent that maybe someone who does not hold the president accountable because they think they should be praying, yes. they, they, they need yes. to rethink uh, or be taught yes. there's a constitution as well. Becky, you've been raising your hand for the longest time. Yeah, a lot has been said, so I won't repeat. I just wanted to say that I don't think that religion, even the negative sides of it, is a standalone cause for bad judgment. I think uh, lack of education is another factor because if I if I am illiterate, I'm not aware of my rights. So I, you cannot demand for something that you're not uh, aware that you deserve or you're entitled to. So then religion becomes a tool that the politicians use to hoodwink you because then they guilt trip you. You can't, you know, I'm chosen by God. The moment someone invokes the name of God, most of the masses, their mouths are shut. So first of all, they're not aware of their rights. And then something that they hold dear is used against them, which Mm. is religion to keep them shut. So that's my main point. I wouldn't believe. Mm. I would suggest that we consider China. Uh, China started its opening up policy in 1976 uh, after most, at least most African countries uh, had gotten independent. China is going to be the world power in the coming years. China does not have a state religion. China has one party, which is the, the ruling party. There might be an opposition party, but the CPC is the, is the party that's ruling. Uh, they have a socialist slash capitalist economy. In one of the past discussions, someone said possibly that uh, Africa needs to develop its own system of uh, of leadership, which is not maybe democratic, which is not... China has a mix of rule, rule of law and rule by law. And rule by law means in most countries, for instance, you say that uh, the president can't do this because the constitution says he can't do it. In China, there is no such rule. The president can't do anything because he rules by law. He can pass a decree, which is law. So... Someone was suggesting that maybe what Africa needs to do is to develop its own leadership with Africa characteristics, like what China says, everything they do must have Chinese characteristics. So maybe uh, we need an Africa leadership with African characteristics. If democracy is not working for us, we are unable to elect people because we have poor education and religion seems to blind our eyes, then maybe we should do it with democracy and, and, and come up with something else to rule by. So, Kokelo, you seem to have a point to make. Africa is one of the most diverse places in this world where almost all sorts of leadership styles are represented in this continent. We still have monarchies. We still have the traditional mm-hmm. monarchies in Swaziland, I think in Lesotho. We, we have dictatorship. We have, we have the oldest president. We, we are proud to host some of the longest serving leaders in the world. It's a crown that I don't think any other um, jurisdiction in the world can beat us on. We have democracies, yeah. We have countries that have been democratic from whatever time. We have uh, what other system of leadership? We have we've we have experimented with socialism. We've tried capitalism. We have autocracies. We even have re- re- uh, theocracy. Theocracy, I mean, really. 
Okay. <laughs> we have all sorts of leadership styles experimented in this continent. I mean, everything, everything we have tried. And um, they all, all those have one thing in common. They failed. Uh, democracy is not working. Socialism, they didn't work. Uh, the way we have traditional leadership is not working. I don't know why, but they have failed. In other parts of the world, somehow uh, dictatorships seem to have worked for some time before they transitioned into democracy in the case of uh, Singapore. And uh, the same kind of leadership you talked about in China is working for them, at least. Democracy is working for the U.S., at least as far as we see. We are looking at GDP and all those other pointers. Anyway, my, my final comments will be, as long as we Africans do not have this cause and effect thinking, so a, a politician is coming to you to donate 20 million and you know their salary is 1 million and you don't want to question where they are getting 20 million from, you're receiving the 20 million. You've seen somebody still or implicated in a corruption scandal of millions and millions of shillings and you're paying taxes but you still vote this person back into power. So you don't want to connect. So the problem we have is that thinking of connecting things. So how my action is going to affect me in the future. We are not thinking about what I'm doing now, how is it affecting me? The taxes I'm paying, where are they going? We are not asking ourselves those critical questions. Why are we not asking ourselves those critical questions? Because we have taken away the responsibility of nation building and from ourselves. We have given it to God and maybe to leaders. Why are we, why have we done that? It's because that's how we grew up. We've, we've grown up with a system where we take everything that happens. There is somebody, there is a reason behind it and we are not the ones in control and we are not the ones in charge. And therefore, even if it happens, it will continue happening either way, you know? That kind of thinking. Mm. So how do we get from here to, you know, a, a better place? Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> Kokelo, I, I thought what you'd conclude is God knows. <laughs> God. God knows, yes. Uh, God just knows. a question for Isanda. Do you, do you think, cause what you're talking about, you need people who are able to think critically. And I keep thinking that someone who's illiterate, doesn't even know that critical thinking exists to be able to question things to have the intellectual capacity to look at um, a whole range of things and think for themselves i think the education system plays a huge role in developing that ability to think critically so if you still have the largest populations of illiterate people how do we expect them to think critically about what's happening and to understand systems and how everything works in my you know, personal experience and my interaction, education has very little to do with how people think. I have met you. people in <laughs> campus, in my in former workplaces, very well educated people with PhD. Some come on TV and argue out, and their thinking is the same as my grandma. They have well, no difference. Well, so I've always wanted. My grandma was the thought, smartest people I know, and she was illiterate. <laughs> so I don't mean it as a like as a you know, flat uh, statement. There, is, there are obviously, there are obviously fluctuations. There are people who are very educated, but they still, they're not intellectually, they don't have much to offer. And the flip side also is true. There are people who are not educated, but they are critical thinkers. But I think in general, there is a certain level of empowerment to 
to some intellectual empowerment to even just basically read for yourself and understand and things like right now you know what's going on in Kenya with BBI whether you reject or, or or accept the ability even to read it for yourself that's why i keep thinking that the level of education has a certain role to play not Be- like Becky, do you think percent. do you think graduates <laughs> have read have read that document the ones that are able to read, do you think they have read let's just be no, honest no not not majority will not i don't know but i just yeah. keep thinking that exactly. some little Because level of empowerment it's not their responsibility to read it it's somebody else's responsibility yeah. you yeah. think but why would they read that thing to be honest me for instance i had reading that thing no, did you I read the it. constitution before you voted <laughs> did you read the constitution <laughs> yes i read the constitution guys something else to see i think this topic is too wide right yeah um, yes when you when start talking about politics bad leadership and development in africa <laughs> that is a very big topic i think you should break it down yeah into I, manageable piece i actually <laughs> think we haven't moved past the first question so uh, and things have risen uh, especially now i'm thinking about literacy levels and education but to to like point out like i mean myself i'm a lawyer and i'm in many lawyer groups in kenya and today we received like there were like six requests from people from different counties asking if there is any lawyers who can go and speak to them about the bbi report uh, so that they can go and give them insights within the groups we all agreed none of us has read it and i don't think anyone intends to read it uh, and yet this is the people who are looking and asking are there any lawyers who can take us through this maybe someone who read a few people said if they are paid they'll read it so yeah so uh, yeah depends also the money Guys, talks i think what we need to do is for the benefit of our listeners we are going to, we definitely definitely are going to have a part two to this conversation a lot of issues were raised that are very important gave me a lot of things to actually go back think about and reflect so i want to thank you guys the people who joined us today it was really wonderful it was an amazing discussion thank you chido so much uh, guys thank you for joining in thank you for listening we will do this again next week but thank you very much